the past, the present, the future. This is Friday Night Fright. What the planet is listening to. Hello and welcome to another episode of Friday Night Fright. Where we fry on a Friday night, y'all. It's your boy in Austin back with another brand new edition. And by brand new edition, I do actually mean a brand new edition. Because today, we're going to do something different. And what we're going to do different is, I'm going to watch as many Saw movies as I can. I think I've got access to all of them by various means. And watch as many Saw movies as I can. And talk about them. So this entire episode is going to be me talking about Saw. You know, the movies, some other stuff, maybe games, if I can find um, cheap copies of those, I might do a little playthrough of one of those. But it's going to be fun, you know, it's going to be cool, it's going to be atmospheric, it's going to be sore. I'm going to, I will sore, sore, I'll see sore, I'll see sore, and then I'll come in on Jigsaw, I'll see sore, and then I'll come in on Jigsaw, so it's going to be great. I'm actually a fan of the Saw movies, um, not so much talk about them, can't remember ever having done that on podcast before, I wrote a terrible review of one of the games once, but hey, it'll be fun, I'm going to see Saw, I will see Saw, I will see Saw 1, I will see Saw 2, I'll see Saw 3, I'll see Saw 4, I might even see Saw. Ah, that's fun quip. Anyway, um, I'll be back after a brief word with my sponsor and then we can start the seesaws. And here I go. So first up on list night is the original Saw, a horror classic of some renown by James Wong and Lei Wano. I don't know if I got that name right, but a particularly interesting movie. I mean, I... I I feel like this is one, I'll go into more to it when I, after I've watched it and I've done my review, but I feel like this is one where everyone goes, yeah, this is like, this is a seriously good horror movie, this is good standalone horror movie, and obviously some people disagree, and again I'll go into more to it when I go into my review, but I feel like it really does strike me that this is one out of the entire franchise that people can enjoy on its standalone merits. A bit like the original Halloween and Nightmare on Elm Street, where it kind of... We're not to that same thing. I don't think this transcends the genre particularly, but I think it's an embracement of the genre and all the tropes, and it's a sign of a directorial talent to view, because this is James Wan's, um, if not his debut movie, one of his debut movies, and now he's him in fucking Aquaman, basically getting the keys to DC's superhero universe. So yes, and you know Fast and Furious 7 and all that. So it's a particularly interesting moving horror folklore because it launched careers. It created a new horror icon in Jigsaw. You know, John Kramer, okay, Jigsaw. And it, on its own merits, I think you can make a case that this is the most complete, tightly written one for the entire franchise. Now, obviously, that might change after I've watched it again, but I think you could make that case that... It's one of the better horror movies in terms of the mainstream ones from, like, last 20 years. Best horror movies, obviously, there are better ones out there than more artistic ones, you know. But for my money, it's... Prior to re-watching it, I rate this one highly. So, anyway, without further ado, by the time I come back, you'll be listening to my thoughts on Saw. But right now, I'm going to watch the original Saw, or the uncut version, rather. So, I'll be back in just a jiffy. Okay, here we go, guys. This is my review of the original Saw, which I just watched, the uncut edition. I've seen it before, and I did promote it quite heavily by saying I didn't mind it, and I quite enjoyed it, and all that jazz. But the truth is, after I watch it again, I'm a bit suspicious of my original viewpoint, and I'm going to ramble for a bit, for about 10 minutes, maybe 11, maybe a bit more, about why that that is. Okay, so here's the first thing. This is a horror movie, by way, by which I mean it's a movie produced by a horror movie company. It does have horror movie tropes, and it is very horrifying in a lot of ways. But in a lot of ways, is it really a horror movie? Because both of this movie seems to be a cop drama. 
And by cop drama, I don't mean that Michael Mann, we're going to elevate a genre with some classic acting or writing and some amazing cinematography. No, I mean cop drama is in lots of this movie deals with cops rather than any of the serial killer horror aspects. And that's fine, Seven did the same thing. Seven, of course, was a movie which a lot of people would call thriller. I still call a horror movie because it had enough horror elements. But a case could be made. Could be me, could be mate, could be insinuated for our side. Now, the thing is, Saw wants to be seven, and as the DVD puts it, one of my favourite reviews of all time, prepared, perhaps you enjoy seven, this goes up to eight, which does make any sense on any possible level, but why things have to make sense. That was, of course, by the. Who was that by? I can't even remember who that's by, I can't even read bots. Uh, let's buy someone. Probably independent. Doesn't matter. Point stands that this movie really wants to be seven. And it's not seven. By any stretch of imagination, seven, of course, is a classic in every conceivable act of word, even with the news about Kevin Spacey being one of the most terrifyingly disturbing people on the planet and probably eerily similar to every villain this character has ever played, which terrifying stuff. People thought that was acting, but in retrospect, maybe it wasn't acting. Maybe that's just who Gavin Spacey really is in real life. I'm not saying one way or the other. I'm saying maybe. So this is no seven. And of course, anyone with a right mind would already know that because this is a movie set in a dungeon, set in a basement, warehouse, wherever. Two actors, good actors, Carrie Hughes, whatever, is a very good actor, Princess Bright, lots of rough stuff. Lay will know is not quite as good an actor, but he wrote character, so he gets sort of the idea of how Blair. And James Wan, of course, does the best he can with a cramped environment and a lot of flashbacks. Yes, this is how Jigsaw Saw franchise starts. Lots of flashbacks, lots of time manipulation, lots of plain far ideas of what's happening. A lot like you seeing from Science of Lambs where you think they're going to get Buffalo Bill, FBI raids one place, Joey Foss goes to another, and then find out a very long place. The Saw movies are a lot of that. Especially this one. Playing your manip- manipulating thing might make you think one thing's going to happen and then nothing happens. It's like a magic trick. It's a no sense of wonder. One of the other things watching this movie is James Wong overcompensates a bit. And it is something which actually does annoy me because I... First time I saw this, I thought it was good. And I still think it's a good little horror movie. But at the same time, it's a lot of not retain advantage of what they have. And what they had was a cl- confined set to actors and a lot of natural tension being built up with that. But instead, they sight go sight different route and have all the cop stuff, which... And family stuff, which isn't bad. Nothing wrong with it. It's personally fine. Some good acting by Dan Glover, by Ken Lung, Michael Emerson, who Michael Emerson seems to hate this franchise for some reason. I don't know why. Maybe he wasn't fond of how the movie is made. I don't know. It does look quite cheap, quite nasty. There's some good acting there. The problem, fundamental problem is the movie would benefit from just being set entirely in that cramped warehouse, but I think they realised that that wouldn't be given a budget, if that makes any sense, and that the only way to get a budget was to have Danny Glover and all the stuff on the outside, and detectives tap and sing, and zep, and family, and all of that, and it does add a terrifying element to the movie, don't get me wrong, but in a lot of ways it feels like an American remake of a Japanese or foreign horror movie. Where the original is really condensed and confined and tightly scripted, and then the remake is kind of a bit looser. And that's not saying it's tightly scripted, because I actually think this has a genuinely decent script. The problem extends from the fact that it doesn't commit entirely to the material, and I hate armchair quarterback. But again, it should have been set entirely in that one room. Because that love tension could made a very actorly play. You know, a real two-hander, if you will. Someone like Aaron Sorkin could have taken that, those two characters and have a lot of interesting back-and-forth dialogue. We learn things as they learn. And there's enough happening in that room to justify an entire movie. It didn't go that way, and that's fine. You don't have to go my ways on these movies. You can go different ways, and they did. And the way they went is enjoyable. I mean, there's it's parts of it I really like. There's parts of it I don't like. And one thing I don't like is James Wong 
It seems like maybe got sense this is the only time I'll ever be allowed to make the sort of movie I want completely hands down free, which later later was turned out to be incorrect because he's given a lot of creative leeway in his projects and he's come up with his own style and loves spin offs and interesting avenues for stories and he's told. I mean how else do you get to him a Fast and Furious Seven style movie? You know? Or an Aquaman. And have some weird elements in those movies. But I think this movie kind of overcomplicates it. You get a lot of flashbacks. People try and take off the jaw trapper mask and stuff like that. And camera goes crazy. There's lots of word around everywhere. And in some ways that's good because it creates the effect. It creates a visceral effect. And especially in cinema, people are afraid of motion sickness throwing up everywhere. It creates a real stench effect, if you parlance my friends. My French. But... And I hate to say bot again, it's not interesting to watch because it's creating a sync camera effect when the actor should be selling it. It goes back to something Woody Allen said about movies, or Kevin Smith from Martin Scorsese, aren't they? Where you place camera and where you don't place camera. Where you don't place cameras is important when you place the camera. Sigma is about creating images and fascinating visuals and all of that. Sometimes it's just a means of telling the story. You, know, you hire someone good enough to do the job, like um, Shailene, I can't remember what her name is, the one Becca. You hire someone like that to do the job, and then you let them act, and you just record it. Cinema after is truth at 24 frames second. If it's truth at 24 frames second, then why can't we have some fun with it? Why can't we see actors act and just record their images? And that's one the other thing that gets about in this movie. Parts of it are really fascinatingly shot, but it, it, for lack of a better phrase, it feels very punk rock. And I was hoping more for a, a minimalist concept, you know? And then we get to Big Elephant in Room. As I'll be turned part in, men, in all the Saw reviews I do. John fucking Kramer. Okay, let's get out of the way. John Kramer, Jigsaw, is an icon in horror. That's just about undisputed, literally undisputed. He is an icon horror. He's one of the best horror characters to come long, long, long time. And some could say he's transcended movies, and more people know Jigsaw, and less people know how he works in movies. And I suppose even people who don't know how he works in movies have some idea of, oh, he doesn't kill anyone, it's all traps and all of that. There's a line Lawrence, Lawrence Gordon Carrie always tries to say in this movie. He doesn't actually kill anyone, he lets them kill themselves. But this is bollocks, people. Complete and utter bollocks. Look, Jigsaw in this movie slashes a cop's throat. That's attempted murder. That cop only survives... Because he gets scarf around his neck enough time. It's still attempting murder people. Jigsaw tries to murder a cop. Okay. And he's Rube Goldberg traps. In this movie they're kind of subtle and unblown. But one of them is connected. One of them is a ceiling trap. Where if you go over a wire. Shotgun blast fall down and shoot you. How the fuck can you survive that trap? Your head go boom people. Your head go you know you get fucked up is what I'm trying to say so Jigsaw in this movie already is falling into that trap of being complete hypocrite and his rules not making any sense this is before he's even explained what rules are you know like it just it's wonderful but it's hypocrisy you know I think that's one thing they were intending for this movie is to have a big franchise with Jigsaw having rules and shit like that. But they got that. So automatically from round one, you have a zero on the score of your horror villain making goddamn sense. What about the acting? Well, I've always said Tobin Bear is... <laughs> well, I haven't always said because I have no idea who was for he makes movies. But if these movies contribute one good thing, it's mind us and every actor has a chance to be... To deliver one iconic performance or a series of performances in this regard, and seeing someone like Tobin Bay spent lots of years as jobbing actor in regular work, but nothing that really saw him leap out massive to get a chance like this, that's really nice actually. It's good to see, and it does restore a certain amount of faith in Hollywood to an extent. Sorry, that's my bean thing. To an extent, obviously, you know, he never got that big romantic lead that he wanted, but he did a good job in this movie, and he's particularly effective as a man who laid down for a really long time. What about the other parts of the movie? Well, I mean, I 
I think this movie really is designed not to be a cont- part first part of a continuing saga by Instructs Imagination, and it falls down because once you've seen all the other movies, once you know that there are a bunch of other movies, this doesn't just become a safe contained movie. It comes the first part in a series, and fundamentally, the problem with that is that it was never designed for that. So this movie loses a lot of its shock factor, a lot of its intrigue and things like that. Because you know all cop characters, you know what happens to all cop characters, you know what happens to Lawrence Gordon, you know his family never comes back, because why would they? And you know all about Jigsaw and John Kramer and all his backstory and his ex-wife and all that shit. So from that regard, it cannot function as a standalone movie anymore. And... And as it cannot function standalone movie anymore, as I just said, it loses a lot of its shock factor and its intrigue and its general quality, to be honest. It'd be like Seven has seven sequels. Seven sequels for seven studios. Or seven sequels for seven directors. You know, at some point you'd be like, it just doesn't work anymore. But in saying that, it's... For my money, and I fucking hate Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I fucking hate it, I would rank this relatively high up on the debut movies of slashers. I would, wouldn't would say it's better than Nightmare on the Street or Halloween, because they are fucking classics, or even the original Charles Play, but Friday 13th, yeah, I'd rank above that. Nope. Hayraiser, probably maybe slightly worse than Hayraiser, but I did enjoy it. I, I had a good time watching it, and I got quite into it. I I like the sense that it's kind of nasty and gritty, you know. There are parts I don't like, obviously, but I, I would say this was good. And I'm going to go with my first review of the I Saw Saw mini-season of reviews. It's going to be a couple of weeks, because apparently there's more movies than I remember. So, Saw, the uncut edition... I'm going to go for 3.5 out of 5. I am. Watchable, intense, um, well-written, well-acted. Just falls down from maybe the 4 I would have given it if it was existing purely as a standalone. But it's a really good movie. I very much enjoyed it. And I'm looking forward to the next movie on my list, Saw 2, which will be getting a preview in just a second. And now it's time for Saw 2. Saw 2, what do I remember about Saw 2? Well, I remember it feeling like, in a bizarre way, like an episode of Law & Order, in that it's very much, in some ways, a two-hander between them. Um, I won't go and spoil this, because, you know, you've probably already seen it, but also my reaction be funnier after I have seen it. But essentially, yeah, it's almost a two-hander. And I actually kind of like that. I mean, I, I don't know if it'll be quite what I remember it being, because I do have specific memories of what happened and it being quite gripping and interesting. Maybe it won't be on retrospect, but in time I quite enjoyed it. And also, I seem to remember it being quite... Daring's the wrong word, but interesting for a franchise, because normally they would try and, like, you know, prolong it and prolong status quo, but this one seemed to shake up quite a bit and seemed like James Wong lay one all had specific ideas for the franchise and maybe didn't want to be a franchise because these first two movies, I remember the second one being quite standalone in a lot of ways, obviously connects to the first one, but it feels quite conclusive at the same time. Maybe that will change actually re-watching it again, but that's my memory of it. also remember, shit, Kevin Wahlberg, Mark Wahlberg's brother, I can't remember whatever his name is. I remember him doing a, maybe it's on Back from the Box actually. This is sort of, uh, I remember him doing a really good job in the movie. Donnie Wahlberg, that's it. I remember him doing a really good job and it being treated with a bit more gravitas and a bit of seriousness and also an intriguing plot. So, yeah, that'd be good. Um, the taglines, We Dare You Again, Yes, There Will Be Blood. Um, do I have the un- uncut version? Um, no, I don't have the uncut version for this one, but. I don't think I'll be missing out too much on that. But anyway, <laughs> Saw 2 coming up in just a few tips. This is my preview, and review is coming up just now. So 
So, Saw 2 then, which I've just finished, and watching almost one complete setting, in session even, which was quite interesting. Um, what can you say about Saw 2? Uh, more ambitious than the original Saw, clearly. You know, it's dealing with more, slightly more adult themes and more atmospheric content. It's got a larger cast, it's got clearly got a bigger budget. It's um, a big moving every stretch of what off word, but is it a bet movie? Well, that's an interesting thing to decipher. Um, in some ways, yes. In some ways, it's a bet movie. Like I said, it's more ambitious, and ambitions can be good. It feels like they got to do more of what they wanted to do. Uh, Lei Wano and James Wong. Lei Wano was the writer, and James Wong's. I did he direct this? They both co wrote anyway. They got do more of what they want doing. It shows off more of James Wan's visual style. Obviously, first one was kind of low budget, hamstrung by that. And while first one is a tighter script and a better piece in terms of that, this seems to have removed a lot of the filler from first one. And by filler, I mean, not that filler's bad, but a lot of cop stuff from first one seemed to be stretching material out a tad more than it should have been. And also giving... Actors like Dan Glover something doing. That's never a bad thing because Dan Glover is a really good actor. But this one merges the two stories better. You got the Detective Matthews investigating and confronting and interrogating Jigsaw. And then flip side is you got House and his kid. And there's a ticking element, time clock element to it. So like you taught me for so long and then your kid will be set free. Then you'll see your son again. So that aspect, it works a lot better. Ticking clocks are a really interesting thing in cinema in general because the aspect of tension wouldn't otherwise be there. Even if it's something as simple, not necessarily the ticking clock, but even if it's simple as 24 hours earlier because you know you're building up to a particular tense point. And this movie does use that quite effectively because it frames it in almost real time. Not exactly real time, sort of cinematic real time. It skirts the coverings a fair bit. But scene between Detective Matthew and Jigsaw crackle of life because we get more of Tobin Bay's performance than Gong First One. In First One, obviously, you only really get John Kramer for a very specific small amount of time in the movie. It's a really good part of the movie, but this movie gives him a lot more to do and it reveals that he's actually a genuinely good actor. At least reveals in terms of the time when the movie came out because now everyone knows he's a really good actor. He's done stuff like Sabotage Voice in Flash and he has like, an amazing voice. And he's, he does a really good job here and he fares off with Donnie Wahlberg and it seems like they want to go to the same thing as first movie where he had Leigh Warner and Carrie Ewell's bantering back and forth but in this movie you get Carrie Ewell's is a great actor don't get me wrong but in this movie you get two confident actors going back and forth you get Donnie Wahlberg very underrated actor going up against um, John Kramer Tobin Bay aka Jigsaw John Kramer aka Jigsaw Tobin Bay plays him and it's a really good two-hander and it's one thing I like about cinema a lot of people say cinema should be visual fast moving off that and it should but I think sometimes having two good actors bantering back and forth quick fire dialogue can actually mean a lot more than 10,000 action sequences or fights or shit like that cinema is a visual medium but that doesn't mean that you can't have very theatrical elements to it and it's something that goes back to Science of Lands, for example, when the best scenes of Clarice Starling, aka Jodie Foster, and Hannibal Lecter, aka Anthony Hopkins, just talking back and forth. It's so visual and so good and so atmospheric that you don't need special effects. Sometimes the best special effect is, as lots of people wisely must have noted, two good actors just on screen t- together. See the classic scene heat between Alpine and Rob Nero. And by the way, I'm not saying these scenes are as good as those. They're not, but they're not by design. They're just good, well written scenes. And also allows us to investigate the realms of Jigsaw's psych, which first movie doesn't do. And it although in saying that there's a lot of holes in said psych, it's um its motives are questionable in first movie. In this one they fall apart fucking completely. We obviously, in this movie, we find out Jigsaw's modus operandi and also thematic construct that linchpins the entire series. Those that don't appreciate life do not deserve it. Now, as I was telling someone earlier, um, I, I 
sometimes have Skype sessions while watching these movies to get some ideas. I was saying that doesn't really make any sense because that's implying that people with mental health conditions who find it difficult to experience joy or depressing all of that don't deserve life, which is, of course, horseshit. Depression is a serious mental illness and serious illness in general and doesn't mean you're in less of a human being for experiencing it, which Jigsaw would ascertain you are because Jigsaw is fucking crazy. And I think that's one thing that movies don't beat you over the head with, but Jigsaw is fucking crazy. He is legitimately fucking crazy in every conceivable way. He is a fucking crazy man. And I like the fact that movies don't force you into that viewpoint by repeatedly being overhead. It's that thing that Martin Scorsese does, and I root on and ramble about a lot, but saying that he doesn't judge his characters. And James Wong and Lei Wong don't judge Jigsaw either. They don't force you to sustain a certain viewpoint on him, but they do give you all facts and let you realise that if you're a sane person, you think he's a fucking psychopath. This isn't Watchmen for their multifaceted characters. Jigsaw might have lots of characterization. He might have edges to him, but he is a fucking psychopath. And his entire ideology doesn't make any fucking goddamn sense. Maybe it does to him, but he has fucking cancer. And so, you know, he's quite nihilistic in general. And this movie really ascertains that, because he constantly points out that he's giving people a chance to escape these traps. And then go back to the first movie and thinking, Jigsaw, how did Detective Tap, how is he meant to survive the trap where he stumbled over wire and then shotgun blast smashed him through head? What was that trap meant to teach him? And of course, the obvious answer would be, don't walk into wires. But he's a police officer changing, chasing serial killer. You know, it's like, it's just, it, it's no lessons. No. So I think the fascinating thing about Jigsaw is he's a complete fucking hypocrite and piece of shit. You know, he talks about puzzles and talks about games and talks about changing people for better. But he puts six convicts in a room with a kid. And in this situation where if they find out that this kid is the son of Detective Matthews, they will kill him. And he's meant to, he, we're meant to think he has some logic. Jigsaw is no better than fucking Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees, Michael Myers. Because they have no fucking morality either. They just do things to do them. And Jigsaw's the same way. He rationalises it with this 21st century social theology style bullshit you know those who don't appreciate life don't deserve it you know like he's fucking Foucault or fucking Rousseau or some shit although I can't imagine they'd ever set up a root Goldberg torture machine but enough about Jigsaw and his bullshit operandi what do I think about movie in general I, I liked it I remember the first time I watched it as you watch this before I watched Saw, and I thought it's really, really fucking good. I really liked it. I thought tense scenes between Donnie Wahlberg and Toby Bale, and thought house stuff really intriguing all of that. But then I've since then I've watched the entire franchise, not in order, in first stages of order, but I've watched every movie multiple times, and it dawns on me that this movie was again like first one, designed to reasonably stand alone. And be conclusive and be safe sufficient. It clearly was not saying on the trilogy. And therein lies the rub. These movies, the first two movies, probably were really, really, really good at the time. But now when you view them as part of a broader tapestry, they don't really work at all. Because fundamentally, Saw, as I'm starting to realise from the first two movies doesn't really work as a continuing franchise and i'll tell you why and i'll tell you why seriously something like friday 34 halloween or nightmare on street eventually well not halloween because that was always a continuing story but nightmare on street friday 13 always had a very strong sense of them of movies that had some shared links, but were fundamentally not connected to each other at all. But also, you could watch out of order. For example, you can watch the homoerotic subtextual brilliance of Fright of a night, New Nightmare, Friday, for, um, A Nightmare in Street Two, uh, whatever it's called, Friday New Nightmare, or whatever shit it's called. I can't remember at the top of my head. But you can watch something like that and enjoy it as a standalone movie on its own merits without 
ever watching MGF movies. But Saw movies, the more I watch, the more I realise that it's all a connected tapestry. And there are certain standalone elements to these movies. But you get more and more connections between movies. It's something like Lost, where... Fundamentally, you can enjoy Lost, a TV show like Lost, which is so interconnected and intertextual, contextual, metatextual, and all things above and beyond. But fundamentally, you're watching it as a cohesive piece of material. And by cohesive piece of material, I mean a material which combines and connects and all of that. And in some ways, that's great. But in other ways, you can't really appreciate the brilliance of particular parts of it because the whole experience combines to shape your understanding of other movies. I'll give you a better example. Marvel movies, you can watch something like Guardians of Galaxy 4 and Ragnarok outside of continuity of where it is in terms of universe and all that and enjoy it. But certain other types of movies, you can't do that with. You know? It's... it's a weird, weird thing. But, yeah, fundamentally, the problem is, the more you know about Saw movies, the worse the movies get. Because you start realising that the continuity errors going to pile up, that they're going to become more and more chapters in this overarching story rather than standalone good movies. And that generally they're just going to lose that investment factor that they once had that really gripped you in the first place. Like, these two movies, I think, are trying to be unique experience movies. But at the same time, I think fundamentally they fall down because they're part of a tapestry and they don't really work as part of a tapestry. I also think, in retrospect, a lot of the acting and writing for the second story... The um, house story doesn't work because they're all fucking scumbags. Every last one of them. It's like you're asking us to root for horrible characters. And that's something like Martin Scorsese, if someone like him, Paul Tom Sanson, or even Todd of joke movie, are painting these horrible characters but in interesting strokes so you can somewhat not relate to them but understand their viewpoints. With this, you can't understand that house people's viewpoints or jigsaws because they're so fiably batshit insane it's trying to say something about society in the same way miss said of we're going to put these six people in a room and going to turn on each other but it doesn't have the artful approach of something like mist i mean mist is implausible anyway i don't give shit when anyone says most plausible aspect of the movie is that those people would go that crazy in a few days Maybe that's my naivety showing, but I just don't believe it happened that quickly. But something like this doesn't even have that skillful writing and approach, so it doesn't really work. But I did enjoy the movie, I did enjoy watching it despite facial elements, and the violence is amped up, but it's got a real James Wan kit to it, and it's decently, some parts of it decently acted, and overall I'd say, yeah, I'd enjoy it. Nozga's first movie, that's a lot tighter written, but I'd say definitely 3 out of 5 territory, although that's not encouraging the franchise as a whole, because things are going to get a whole lot worse from here. But on plus side, there was no shoehorn romance or any of that shit, so it was good. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, So I'd go 3 out of 5, and... You know, Saw 2, um, intriguing ending. I like the interplay between Jigsaw and Detective Matthews. And it'll be interesting to see how the movies work in order. Because next up is Saw 3, which unfortunately will be the last one I'll get to this week. But hey, it'll be a bit of fun. And I'm sure I'll be back for that in just a few sets. Hey, and now it's time for Saw 3. Saw 3. What can you say about Saw 3? Other than the fact it's the third movie in the Saw franchise. Um, I'll take the slippers off. One thing you can say about Saw 3 is it, from memory, is an attempt to do something slightly different. And that's to be a finale to the franchise. Now, in retrospect, it wasn't finale to the franchise because the franchise kept going. But that was their intent. They were all James Wan... Wanted to sign off, reluctantly came back as far as I know, to finish off the work they created, kill it for good. They didn't succeed, it's obviously made more Saw movies. But apparently this was intended to be the end of the trilogy 
the last one ever, and I'm yawning already. And I watched this after. I watched all the other ones. I didn't watch these movies in particularly good order. I watched Saw 2, Saw 4, 5, 6. And then I watched 3 and 1. Then I watched Jigsaw. And then I went back and watched them all. Now I'm watching them in order. So it's crazy times. But the point I'm trying to make is that I watched Saw 3 not too long ago. And I kind of enjoyed it. You know? I'm, 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 I'm a guy who kind of likes Saw movies. And I, I enjoyed it. I didn't hate it. I didn't feel at any point it was a particularly inspiring finale to a trilogy or otherwise. Um, and it's loads of callbacks <coughs> to the first two movies. In a way that makes it even further from the standalone sort of movie. That really hops out and grabs your attention. But it's watchable. And as a working hostel, you know... Some of the hostile stuff with the doctors and all of that was interesting. Bollocks, complete bollocks and completely wrong, but interesting. And, you know, I, I, I'll have to say, I, my soap opera, I'm very much into, like, dynamics and characters and stuff like that. It's all stuff with the cheating and the infidelity and stuff like that. It's so soap opera, I can dig it. No, so I kind of like those, but I haven't rewatched it after watching the first two movies. So maybe it doesn't work sequentially. Maybe it does. Who knows? But anyway, this is my big Saw free preview and reviews coming up in just a few shakes of an Amstel. How do I work this? Hi, I'm back and I just watched Saw 3. Wow, Saw 3. Whoa, where can I start? Firstly, my kettle is boiling because so I'm going to have a fine cup of Eau Grey. Secondly, um, how can you describe Saw 3 in so many words? Um, Sawful. Sawful seems to cover it. This was not a very good movie. And as I reached my cu- container of Asta Blend Eau Grey, and I hope it's still in date, I suddenly have premonition... There's lots more terrible Saw movies I need to watch, and suddenly I feel less confident about my station in life, my lot in life, if you will. <sighs> Saw 3, then. Um, the words disaster used oftentimes, not in terms of this podcast, because most stuff I do technically, technically has some quality to it. Um, but, you know, sometimes you do utter the utterance of the word disaster. So hang on a sec, I've just got to pour my tea. Good old Eau Grey. Yeah, it's like... Sorry, I'm back. It's like, um... I d- disaster the right word? I don't think disaster is the right word. Um, sorry. Oh, that oh. Disaster is the wrong word. Um, clusterfuck. Clusterfuck is the right word. Okay, so I criticise you. Shut up, Amazon Prime. So I criticise you of movies for having two divergent stories that won't... That kind of clashed a lot. In case you saw in the background. Just come back and Amazon. That clashed a lot. And that one story is better than the other story. Well this is the exception. Because in Saw 3. Neither story is better than the other story. So you have two stories. You have the dopey father of a child. Who's an abusive. Borderline emotionally. And it's implied physically abusive father. Who doesn't seem to give shit about his kid. And you have a doctor who's got to save Jigsaw's life. Okay. Here's the fundamental problem with that. This isn't the entire movie. That shit comes to play after about 15 minutes of bollocks bat story bullshit from the last fucking movie, you know? You have to... You have to sum up a bunch of bullshit from the last movie, you know? Where it's like, oh, let's follow Matthews. Let's follow the Matthews man. Let's follow him. Let's follow Matthews as he goes and does a bunch of Matthews things. Who gets fucked by his kid? Never brings kid up. Never mentions kid gang. Get loads of Matthews stuff. And there's this start point where you start to realise the Saw franchise is not... It's running on empty. It's running on sawdust. It is running on cinematic sawdust. Because they're already dropping plot threads that don't interest them. Because the whole point of the second movie is Daniel, Matthew's son, Detective Matthew's son, was going to be a big part of the franchise going forward. You know, he knew who Amanda was. He knew who Jigsaw was. You think they'd be a big part of movies? Not even fucking mentioned. 
shouted a lot by Detective Matthews. Donnie Wahlberg shouts Daniel, a lo- the name Daniel, a lot. But you don't see him, and he's not really explained often than that. And then you have Dean the Mayor's character, random detective, who is a bit of teasing in the second movie of her and Matthews, you know. You know, we, they won't, they all that shit. And now she's distraught after his death, and she's breaking down crying. And she's fucking taken out really fucking quickly. Essentially, like, the opening credits, the pre-credits sequence of a Saw TV show. And that's when it hit me. This isn't a function of movies. This is a fucking TV show condensed to 90 minutes. And let's be honest, not a very good TV show. And when you've got a fucking era when The Purge is made into a TV show and Saw isn't, like... Maybe Saw would work better would work better as a TV show, you know. Like I mean, especially if production. Well, I mean, these movies don't have much production budget anyway. But no, I mean, it's like it's so weird. It's so strange and bizarre and borderline decadent, borderline frivolous. I guess you can say a bit decadent too. But this clearly is lay one on James Wan. We're taught to make this movie. And despite all comments of it being finale, nothing about this movie is final. Yes, okay, Jigsaw dies. Jigsaw dies, you know? Like, okay, fine, Jigsaw dies. Okay, that's not final because you threw a bunch of bullshit foreshadowing at us. Like, I have to imagine... Well, no one, James, my thought, well, my thought this was the last movie. Fucking Darren Lee Boosman did, and he's gonna fucking write this gravy trail as far as he possibly could. And it's just such a bland, nothing movie. When it's a bland, nothing movie, I mean, this is really, really nasty to watch. Like, seriously, proper nasty. I mean,. I'm not squeamish, guys. I watch it. I I love zombie flesh eaters and I love violent horror movies. This is just borderline repugnant shit. Like, the exploitation, the naked woman stood in a room who freezes to death. Buck-ass naked. I mean, like, look, I am very much a fan of female form. But in situations like that, it just you feel like you feel dirty for watching it. You feel like some like some fucked up shit. Not even titillating. It's like Jesus, she's so cold. Give her a coat. It's a Big Brother syndrome. You just feel like my God. It's like when you watch fucking Kate Winslet and Reader. After about twenty minutes, sort of like, can someone get this woman coat or something? She looks so fucking cold. Like it just kits in. And don't and it's it's same this, it's so exploitative and like guy who's in the rack, fucking shirtless guy whose arms and legs are twisted. And what I think of while watching it is these traps. Pretty much, Jigsaw's not even the appeal of these movies. This like that the movies are selling them for. They're selling it on these traps, and the more fantastical they get, the more lucrative it gets because. You have to go up bullshit ways that fucking Jigsaw could make this shit. And it's like, oh, he's got an army of Jigsaws. But they all turn against him. And, okay, so fundamentally, a young movie is, sorry, spoilers if you haven't seen Saw 3, but why would you say it now if you haven't already seen it? The game is Amanda's game all throughout. As they share us with some trademark subtle Saw flashbacks that re reinterpret the scenes from earlier on, recontextualised scenes from earlier on, but here's the problem, Jigsaw was looking right at Mandra as he said all this shit, and she didn't pick up, really, you expect us to believe that, bunch of bullshit, so yeah, I'm not, Saw 3, it's, it's a sign that the movies were quickly running out of steam for anything other than, I mean, I'll give it this. I, I think Saw movies have interesting structures. I don't think they're way written. I think especially this one is not a way written movie. But the structure is interesting. The two stories and then at the end they combine and you get twists and all of that. But it seems like at a certain point you're just being clever for clever's sake. There's nothing investing. There's no empathy or relatability to any of these characters. Like, 
In second one, you get Matthews, you get struggle and all that. In this one, he beats the shit out of Amanda and tries to mangle her brain with a pipe. And you're suddenly realising, was Jigsaw wrong? Was Jigsaw wrong for calling him out in the second movie? I mean, this guy's got a lot of anger to him. So, in that regard, Matthews is out quickly. Dean the Mayor's character might have had some sympathies out quickly. The other cops have forgotten really quickly. We're stuck with fucking Lynn and oh, fucking Randy or whatever fuck his name is. Dude who is emotionally abusive to his daughter. And we're meant to relate to this. It's like, dude, yes, yeah, you lost the kid. And then you drove your wife away, so she's fucking a random doctor. And then you emotionally abused your other kid. Like... It's just, this is the first time where you think, Jigsaw, me, like, was he in right for doing what he did to this prat? And you think, the actuality truth is no, but at the same time, it's like, these aren't likeable people, but they're not interesting people either. If you're going to be unlikable, at least be interesting. So, what do I think Saw 3 fundamentally? I thought it was the worst of all three by far. A really, really, really nasty movie with very few redeeming features. What would I say redeeming features were? Um, the, uh, the twist twists at the end were intriguing. Um, gave Amanda some more to do. Um, uh, it pad it moved you know it's nice to see um randy whatever his name is let doing a trap with another person to offer advice and counteract him that didn't last very long that's something they could have explored in more volume but they didn't and um, but my main positive is these movies are becoming the fucking horror movie equivalent of crystal maze don't know if you guys know about Crystal Maze in America, but in England, it was a cult game show where teams would go into a room, and if they couldn't find out, find the thing they needed in room by completing tasks, they're locked. One member was locked in room. And these movies remind me of that, except not as good. Um, I think this kind of encapsulates the problem that's going to be of these movies from now on and next week with 4, 5 and 6 is fundamentally they're not interesting to watch, it's just it's becoming very formulaic, it's becoming very boring, it's not interesting, it's the fucking torture devices are more prevalent and treated more important than characters and they're just coming nasty vices. And I get where they're going is where they're becoming nastier because Jigsaw is less and less involved in his psychotic cronies of making machines. And I get that. But then going, how the fuck do they make machines? No, Jigsaw is ludicrous enough, but this guy's clearly a perfectionist. His cronies are fucking great batshit insane. I mean, he is, but he's functionally batshit insane. And it just. And also, in fact, no, I, look, I've seen those movies, so I know as movies go, but I haven't seen them all. You've just taken the best fucking villain out of your franchise. And yeah, they're going to find ways to bring him back. But Jigsaw is Tobin Bailey, John Kramer. It's not driving the narratives anymore. Other characters are. And Amanda's gone. And fucking, I know, I fucking know... Who's coming up next? Who takes up the mantle? And people, believe you me, it's not the person you choose by any stretch of the imagination. It's, um... The continued story element for this is what really harms it. And the fact that they don't go full sci-fi and just go, oh, Jigsaw's alive. You know, which is spoilers for Jigsaw, I know. But anyway, that my Saw 3 review, what did I give it? Uh, fucking 2 out of 5, and that's generous. That's actually generous, because this was really, really, really not particularly enjoyable to watch. On plus side, I've had some chips and bacon. I've gone A Grace. I'm all good. Anyway, I'll be back in just a second with the epilogue. So you behave now. Behave, people. Behave.
So, those are the Saw movies watched and Saw 1 to 3 watched and done with. So, I'm halfway through the Saw franchise, I think, or maybe just on halfway. That's a torturous experience, but luckily, side it too with two of the best people I know through the magic of Skype. I decided that time was right to sit and watch Bad Ben 7, which has just come out. If you're not aware of Bad Ben, it is a horror franchise made by a guy named Michael Back, um, Michael Bock something whatever i don't know how you say his actual name and it is a franchise which is not even really easy to explain it's a one-man series about really about a guy named tom riley whose house is haunted that's the simple explanation of it it gets more complex because at this point there's like five thousand creatures live living in his fucking house and i've just finished a Bad Ben 7, The Haunted Highway, and I have to say, in all honesty, this is one of my favourite horror franchises at the moment. It is fucking delightful in every conceivable way. What Nigel Back lacks in maybe uh, directorial intent, visuals, dialogue, acting, sort, he makes up for it in his sheer fucking enthusiasm for making cinema. It might not be classical, it might not be brilliant, it might not be endlessly quotable to some, but it is ridiculously entertaining, and at this point, it's probably the most entertaining horror franchise out there on an ongoing basis that's still currently in production. Ones like Nightmare on Street, Friday, Halloween and Chucky might be better in terms of overall quality and consistency over a longer period, but at the same time, they're not being made, and they certainly haven't had seven movies in three years. Maybe more movies than that's Bad Ben's franchise that keeps on giving. It's fun, it's functional, it's witty, unintentionally so, and it's generally ridiculously entertaining. Movie you can watch with your two of your best bros and just talk shit. A movie that doesn't even quite alcohol or any illicit substances to enjoy because it's just so fucking surreal in its own merits. It's bizarre. This franchise has everything. It covers every possible horror trope you can think of, every possible but horror avenue you can think of. And at this point, we're talking parallel dimensions, vampires, werewolves, ghosts, clowns, evil demonic spirits, and Jersey fucking devil. What more can you ask for? And it's good special props to Scott Nigel back, because lots of people can talk shit about making movies or making podcasts, but they're never actually doing thing on the flip side to show that they're ready. This guy is living his dream by making these movies, and that is amazing. He's taken advantage of the fact that Amazon Prime will let you put up anything seamlessly. Seemingly. And so there you go. It's a bit like being podcast. This is quite literally probably one of the worst podcasts in the history of creation, but at the same time, I make it weekly, and I don't miss a week, and if I do miss a week, which is very rare, I give you two episodes to follow up with. It's the passion and enthusiasm that drives... People make content like this. You know, it separates the pretenders from the wannabes. <laughs> the lack of better term. No, English jokes aside, Nigel Back deserves a love credit because this is the most consistently entertaining horror franchise in decades. It really is. And I think you should all watch the movies on Amazon Prime. And if you want to be extra awesome, you should support him because people like this are what makes cinema great. No, then go watch his movies, watch the Amazon Prime, go to his Patreon, support his Patreon, and we'll get more glorious Bad Ben movies. And this is not a product, this is not an endorsement or paid endorsement in your flat bullshit. No, this is just me being a guy who likes schlocky horror movies saying, go support Nigel Back and Bad Ben series because they are schlock. But in the end, isn't schlock what we really want? And the answer is no, no, it's not. But it's better than watching Saw 3 again. So this is Ian Austin saying, go watch Bad Bane 7. Enjoy a beautiful evening. Have fun with your love loans. And remember, life is beautiful. I'll see you next week for Ian Saw Saw Part 2.